0: Everybody And welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. I am joined today by someone who is generally, uh, generally, generously had me, <laughs> generously had me on their podcast prior to this. Look at me. I'm getting tongue-tied. I'm getting over, because I'm like, I'm already anticipating the conversation. This co-host, <laughs> Elliot Kalen, an all-star of the Flophouse podcast, uh, with a long entrenched and passionate fandom. The number of people who I have come, who have in my life like messaged me after being on it be like, you're on the Flophouse podcast? I'm like, you've never <laughs> talked about this thing that's <laughs> apparently a big part of your life
1: it's, to it's, me ever. It's a surprising thing. I'm always, I'm always flattered by it and I think it's wonderful and I don't understand it. But they like I'll meet people at weddings or things like that. Or I'll hear wow. from I hear from my brother a lot. He's like, Yeah, I met this my friend's new girlfriend and she was like, Wait, are you David Kalin from the Flophouse podcast? And I'm like, Yeah, that's it's America's favorite podcast that you've never heard of. Or it's like a uh, the uh Mystery Science Theater three thousand, my favorite show of all time. I remember my I once had it described to me as Either it's your favorite show or you've never heard of it, and that's kind of the flop house. Yeah. Also, I think in some ways,
0: I think that's that's totally MST3K. And yeah. which is speaking to your credits, you are uh, you are a long time writer for the Daily Show. Something like, I was looking at the credits, it's something around like a thousand episodes that you worked on.
1: It was a uh, yeah, at least because well, I mean the thing about the Daily Show is you do almost 170 episodes a year. Yeah, but yeah, I I was a I was a. An intern there and a production assistant and a segment producer wow. and then a writer and then the head writer for the last, like, year and a half of John Stewart's run.
0: And you are also writing and executive producing on, you said your favorite show, Mystery Science Theater mm-hmm. 3000, which feels like a for you to say that is your favorite show now this feels like a big deal for you and oh, then yes. one other thing i want to make sure we talked about want to get it in you write a comic maniac of new york mm-hmm. and the second collection of that is coming out in august so you've got various irons in the fire you yes. to a lot of stuff
1: my my the fire is always full of irons uh and it's very tiring it's it's, I'm, <laughs> it's there's a there's a there's a there's a pun on tire iron in there but i'm too tired from all these irons
0: <laughs> to think of it
1: but uh yeah there's lots of stuff and uh maniac of new york i think will be for people who are interested in our conversation today it might be something that they find interesting as well because it plays in not exactly the same but in a similar in a similar world that a uh, a kind of uh, violent new york world mm-hmm. uh but yeah i've been lucky enough to do a lot of a lot of things i'm really excited about in my career it's really great
0: now, also feeding into our conversation today, are you a native New Yorker?
1: I grew up in New Jersey, right outside okay. of New York. Okay. And so okay. my grandmother lived in New York. My parents were, my mom was from New York and my dad was from White Plains. So not exactly, okay. not not the mean streets. But so I spent a lot of time in there and growing up, it was like New York. That's where people go when they're adults. Like you're a kid in yeah. New Jersey and then you grow up and you go to New York. And there's a, there was a book that came out years ago called Never Can Say Goodbye that I have an essay in about watching movies about new york as a kid and being like that's where you live as a grown-up and you know the the mm-hmm. magic of of the muppets take manhattan and things like that and uh oh yeah and like uh the ma- the magic of seeing like dana's apartment in ghostbusters and things and being like <laughs> i could have an apartment like that someday and and then i lived in new york i went to college there and i lived there for about 17 years until i did say goodbye to new york and moved to los angeles um almost five years it'll be five years uh this summer and but it still feels like i, I went back to new york a, a month or so ago for a wet family wedding and just walking yeah. around the city i was like oh yeah i know this city like this is like i still feel like i, st- I feel like i get that city more than i get los angeles los angeles i'll never mm-hmm. it's gonna take me longer to understand so my heart is still in new <laughs> york you know
0: we discussed today a, a classic piece of new york cinema taxi driver mm-hmm. that the, the i'm what a picture <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, th- I, this is a movie, I watched it again for this podcast. I hadn't watched it in years, uh, but when it's I, same. but when I was a young man, I must have seen it 20 times, you know, or if not, if not more than that. And it was something that there was a, there was a coworker of mine, the daily show. We would see how many days we could go in a row with one or both of us quoting something from the movie. Cause we knew it so okay. well. And mm-hmm. it's a movie that it, uh, I remember when I talked to you about being on, being on the podcast, I said, mm-hmm. there's a lot of movies. I grew up feeling seen in movies. There's so many movies where, like, there's, like, a, a nerdy kid or a Jewish kid or something who, like, has an adventure <laughs> or whatever. You know, like, I grew up reading Spider-Man comics, and Peter Parker is essentially me. So, like, mm-hmm. I never had to worry about that. But that, mm-hmm. with Taxi Driver, I wel- I felt seen in a in a negative sense, which is kind mm-hmm. of the, the aspects of me I was not proud of and was not happy with. Mm-hmm. And so... But from a, I think I first saw the movie when I was about 13 or 14. and I, I was
0: going to ask, what was that age of impact? And,
1: and that was when, it was when I was 13 was when I really started getting into like movies. I'd always liked watching mm. them. But 13 was when I was like, I'm going to be like a serious movie watcher. I'm going to watch all the movies yeah. I've always heard about. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing Taxi Driver for the first time and just like feeling such a a connection to it. And
0: it was immediate. Yes, like it was that first watch where you were like, this is different. Yes. Something's different.
1: And and going into my 20s, it was – I still felt this connection to this movie. And like for a brief time in college, I considered shaving my head the way that he does near the end of the movie. Of like I had a, t- a t-shirt with that image on it that I would wear. You know, and I, w- I was going to NYU. And I remember being in an elevator with Spike Lee and him seeing that shirt and kind of rolling his eyes at, <laughs> at it. <laughs> and it's the only time I've ever encountered him. But I thought I was like, oh, he thinks I'm just like – <laughs> Just another film student or whatever, which is which was right. the case at the time, I guess. But uh, it wasn't until I got older that, and I never identify. It was like I always identified this character until he goes on his rampage at the end. Even when I was mm-hmm. young, I knew that was too far. But yeah, but okay. it wasn't until I got older and I kind of matured that I started realizing like it's not a good thing that I mm-hmm. I, I identify so much with the way he feels. Before then, what I what I was fe- what I was feeling was represented in me was the loneliness and the mm-hmm. anger the potential for violence which thankfully did thankfully the, the the internet didn't exist in the in the state that it is now when i'm a teena- when i was a teenager so like mm-hmm. i was not exposed to legions of other unhappy young men who wanted to hurt people and like a, right. the the feeling of there's a the thing that Roger Ebert says in one of his reviews of Taxi Driver where he talks about a man who is drifting through a world that has women in it and he he wants to know one of these women, and he doesn't know how to do it, and he seems to be surrounded by men who know how to do it and do it effortlessly mm-hmm. and I remember mm-hmm. living in New York basically until I met the woman who's my wife now like and i would I would like date and things, but it felt like I was surrounded by people, not just men but women also who kind of like. We're just swimming naturally through this kind of like sea of sex and and affection mm-hmm. and and physical connection and emotional connection and I just like didn't know how to and I'm walking along the bottom of the ocean floor I don't know how to swim and I'm not drowning but I don't know how mm-hmm. to get to the to the layer of the ocean that they're at and I remember yeah. I feel like this movie I never felt more like Travis Pickle than there was a moment when I was I was on Houston and Broadway so I must have been leaving like Angelica Film Center I must have just seen a movie and. There was a guy who was making out with his girlfriend and grabbing her butt, and I was standing behind her, and so he and I had locked eyes for a moment, and he just kept locking eyes with me while he made out oh with this woman God. and, like, groped her. And I remember at the moment, it felt like the entire universe was like, yeah, you want this really badly, but you, don't ha- you can't have it. You don't get it. Like, this is not. This is not something you're gonna get. You're not. And so, and I
0: feel like that guy felt that coming off of you, which is yes. why he was so like why he flexing it. on you exactly. in that moment. And it, looking
1: back, and I wonder, like, what is it in this that guy's mind that he felt like his pleasure was increased by by connecting with someone who didn't have it in that moment, and and that like it wasn't enough that he was that he was making up with somebody that he had to like. He was more engaged with me in that moment than he was with the woman he was witch- with, which is right. which is strange. But anyway, so like that was the part of me that she
0: was the thing facilitating the moment he was having with yes, you. Yes,
1: exactly, so, which is creepier than than me at that moment. That but it crazy. was that feeling was what I and I felt it again watching the movie again this time. It was like oh, I remember feeling like like this character, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, I am not a seriously damaged man in the way that Robert De Niro is in this, that Travis Bickle is in this mm. movie. Uh, but I still felt that that loneliness. But it wasn't until watching the movie this time that I was like, wait a minute, I'm not Travis Bickle. But there is a character in this movie that I feel seen by. And it's Tom, Albert Brooks's character. Albert Brooks? I was gonna say, is it Albert <laughs> yeah, Brooks? Yeah, the guy who is a jokey guy who's involved in politics and is also not dating Sybil Shepard. But like... <laughs>
0: Is very much not dating Sybil Shepherd's Betsy. I'll
1: tell you what. I'll play the male in this relationship. I'll go good out and, t- and tell him to move. And I don't need good luck. Thank you. Oh, yes, you do. You just think you don't. But like, I was like, oh, this guy is like he has a job. Uh, he's called by his first name, by a powerful person, by a senator running for president. Like he like he's someone who has a life, even if you can tell he doesn't have He doesn't have the fantasy life he probably has. Like Albert Brooks does so much to the casting of Albert Brooks in that role does so much to make that role something that it isn't. And I
0: absolutely, I
1: I was like, oh, I'm Tom. Like I'm much. That's a much better person for me to be. (laughs) Like Tom is going to get married and have a family and a career and like not 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 have a psychic break and go on a rampage that where he murders people. You know? Yeah.
0: And I Taxi Driver, the story of uh, Travis Bickle. Yeah, sorry, I should let you
1: do. I should let you say the plot.
0: (laughs) No, 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 not at all. It kind of, it really is, it vacillates how the plot comes up in the show. (laughs) I will break in and say that it is the story of uh, a man looking for a job. He wants to work a lot. He wants to work long hours. And we open with him. Uh, going to a cab company and being like, can I drive? I just, I want to stay busy. And he works the night shift driving a cab in the city. He's very angry. He is a veteran. He's he,
1: he's um, he's, in, he's deeply racist in a way that I was not as a young man. And I still am Yeah, he's, he's, but he's
0: racist. He's homophobic. Yeah. He absolutely equates like the fairies and the queens with criminals and yeah. like the underworld. And there's there's and, not a single
1: scene with a black person in the movie where he does not instantly put his guard up. Even his coworker, yeah. who is black, who lends him money mm-hmm. and then he pays him back. And like the, the, it's, he's, so that was something I never, that was, that, I'm just going to put myself out there that, on that, that I never, that Good. was not something I ever, sympathized with. but the, but like he says to the taxi, just the hire, the, I don't know if he's, he's not the dispatcher, but the person running the taxi cab company or hiring, he's mm-hmm. like, I just got to work nights. I got, you know, he, I can't sleep.
0: I can't sleep nights. So what do you do now? You know,
1: ride around nights, mostly subways, buses, figuring you know. I'm going to do that, I might as well get paid for it. Want to wake up town night, South Bronx, Harlem? i work anytime, anywhere. He's basically saying, like, I'm going to fill this emptiness in my life with work. Because I don't know what, mm-hmm. with work and going to porn theaters. Because that's all I know yeah. how to do. And I could just stay there forever. And it was like, I remember the moment when I was a teenager or an adolescent where I was like, I'm an unhappy person. So I don't have to think about that. I'm going to watch movies. And I'm going to focus on that. Yeah. And focus on comedy. Because comedy will take me out of this unhappiness mm-hmm. for a second. While I'm laughing, mm-hmm. and so like what that porno theater is for taxi for taxi drivers calling him as if I'm an old man who calls the characters by <laughs> <our> first name <laughs>
0: for the taxi anyway, driver. For, and he uses the and Google. He, so when
1: taxi driver goes to this thing, you know. <laughs> anyway, I was watching that movie where Leonardo DiCaprio plays Titanic, and but uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh the, when when like Travis Bickle going to those porno theaters, like that was me as a college student with Film Forum. Mm-hmm. I would go to I would get I would be like I don't have anything to do today. I guess I'm going to Film Forum and I'm watching like three. Movies in their like crime of the forties theory- series, right, you right. know, or something like that. The need to fill time because you don't have, you don't have a purpose or like human relationships to fill that time mm-hmm. with. Like I, that was which he thing.
0: says explicitly. There is a yeah. line that Travis has explicitly where he's like, "If only like I had a purpose." Yeah. All my life needed was a sense of some place to go. I don't believe that one should devote his life to morbid self attention. I believe that someone should become a person like other people. This purposelessness is something that is grave and and severe for him. It yeah. is inescapable, and he finds himself pouring into this. It, I, I, the thing that really got me when I was watching it last night was how suddenly I realized I was like, "Wow, that what I'm watching." Travis Bickle do in this movie now feels like a familiar arc that yes. we see as a media narrative over and over and over again like the radicalization of a Travis Bickle like in something that I have to assume I've seen a lot of movies haven't seen them all but like I have to assume that the a part of what makes this movie a classic and a part of what s- like built its legacy is that when it arrived in 1976, so obviously filmmaker Martin Scorsese, I think he's like, Scorsese's in the movie as a man in a cab whose woman is cheating on him and he's planning to kill he, her he and her lover. He shows
1: up, He so he shows up two times in the movies. He shows up in that scene where apparently the actor they had hired was, just didn't show up or called in sick, so he had to do it. <laughs> and there and he show, there's a part where the first time Travis sees... Betsy, Civil Shepherd's character, mm-hmm. who he becomes enamored of and takes on at a date. And she goes out with him more out of curiosity, I think, than anything else. And then he takes her to a, a porno movie and she storms out and he gets mad. The first time he sees her, she's walking into this uh, this campaign office that she works in. And Martin Scorsese is sitting there right on the steps of the office watching her as she walks in. And oh. there's a very Scorsese Catholic reading where it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. he's the devil. And in that moment, he is he is producing the situation to tempt Travis – down a road, and then when he gets in the cab, he's going to be the one who introduces the idea of shooting people, of killing people, so that like
0: so he's like planting the seeds. He's he's tying the thread through yes. Travis's life. I love that. And, and
1: it's that's that's my that's my not really not totally supported by the by the other parts of the movie theory, but that like <laughs> if he showed up one more time, it would be a stronger theory. But it's also right it's if al- he
0: like walked through the crime scene at the end, yes, and, like exactly. In the melee or, around the cops, or he like shows
1: up in Travis's cab at the end and winks at him, and then disappears in a puff of brimstone but that's like it's a it's also a worse movie if the devil is is an yeah. active participant in it it's better as a thing that is that is in there just because you know it could and also because martin scorsese at yeah, the time but it is
0: of man
1: yes and scorsese at the time looked like charles manson so that's the other, that's the other thing like yes. he looks almost exactly like manson but uh
0: he, he absolutely looks like a cult leader in this yeah, movie but it's
1: this is this is a movie that like um it, you can tell that it's made by guys who have felt this and they are not necessarily yes they're not approving of it but they mm-hmm. know what it's like. You know that Martin Scorsese is is expressing the worst part of himself. That Paul Schrader, who wrote it, is expressing the worst, loneliest parts of himself. And like, it's a movie that feels really, really grimy and gross in the way of seventies movies, but it's told mm-hmm. in a in such an artful way. Like watching it again, I'm like, oh well, this is it. This is like the most beautifully hideous movie in a, in a lot of ways. But also that like you can tell the people making this are not like. Look at this strange character. Like let's let's look at him from the mm. outside. They're like, "Hey, we've been this guy." Guys in the audience, you know you've been this guy. But it's but this kind of, but I think what we, you we were getting at earlier that like the arc of this character is something that we've now seen in real life so many times.
0: Yeah, and it, it at the time when it when that came out, that was part of its uniqueness. Yes. Like if I'm not if, if well, I'm the, not if I'm not the mis- only mis- the only this. other
1: movie I can think of that's kind of similar in that way is Targets, which was because mm, I think the only the big case before this was what's his name who who went up to that bell tower in texas and shot a bunch of people but this idea of a lonely young man who is sexually uh-huh. frustrated does not have human connections and feels isolated and the only guys he spends time with and this are his co- coworkers are other guys who play with the the kind of like hate that he feels in his heart, these other guys kind of play with casually. Like they have other yeah. things in their lives. Uh, Peter Boyle's character, Wizard, has a family and is, there's a scene here, he gives, he tries to give advice to Travis and what he says is so <laughs> incomprehensibly.
0: Incomprehensible, like, like, nothing. Like it's the nothing. worst
1: advice. I got some bad ideas in my head. I just. Go on, get laid. Get drunk, you know,
0: you do anything. he got no choice anyway. I mean, we're all fucked. More
1: or less, you know? I don't know. That's about the dumbest thing I ever heard. And there's another guy who will do anything for a dollar, but where they're kind of playing with these things, whereas they're at the heart of Travis, and Travis has nothing else to go with. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, yeah, if this guy got on Reddit, he'd find the other guys like him, and then he would be... He w- it would have taken him half the movie to start killing people, you know. But the thing is, it's like a – I hadn't thought about this until now. This is a thing that must have been in men for forever because he's – once, he decide- once he's lonely and he goes, I need a purpose. I need something basically to make me feel like more than a nobody. And he decides mm-hmm. he's going to assassinate – a presidential candidate, and it reminds me yes, of
0: Senator Palantine, Senator Palantine, who, who is the a politician that Civil Shepherds Betsy works for. Yeah,
1: it's so it's so well done the way he's like I'm sexually <laughs> focused on this woman. She's rejected me, so I'm going to kill her boss, and that's also going to like and th- I'm going
0: to I'm going to kill the the most powerful man in her life. Yes, is what I'm going to do. Yeah,
1: and there's a yeah exactly, and uh, there's a uh, scene in War and Peace the novel where uh, Pierre, one of the main characters, he becomes. He's He falls into this kind of paranoid loneliness where he's like, I know what I was put on this earth to do, to assassinate Napoleon. That's my job on this earth. Okay. And he kind of, it, does, it, it doesn't work out and he kind of breaks out of that funk pretty quickly. But it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, so 200 years ago, dudes were going through the same thing where they're like, I need to prove I'm someone more than just kind of a loser. I'm going to be a historical figure. I guess I'm going to assassinate. I have to react with violence. That's the only way I can make my mark. Historic violence. And that it's... Yeah, but now we're we're living in this world where uh guys don't shake the way out of it quite as much it seems which is terrible where they have more access to well, the thing you know to the there, way there's to do a it. lot yeah.
0: of access to a lot more ways to hurt people yes. and it it was interesting watching this and see like it like he's he's writing his manifesto basically in his journal like throughout the course of the movie and he decides at a certain point like he enters this sort of purity phase where his body is a temple he's no he needs he's discovered his purpose and drive he's going to assassinate this man mm-hmm. he's been rejected by this woman he starts to work out again no more bad food it's clean living yeah. no more pills clean living which involves, involves says, just
1: holding his fist over a flame to, to you know for as long as he can to test how strong he is and
0: absolutely absolutely you know you have this this guy who's he can't sleep he is ruined with the thought of how filthy this city mm-hmm. is. He goes out, he, Palatine ends up in his cab and he's like, we gotta clean up this city. Like he, he says like, you know, a great rain's gotta come, he's gotta wash it away.
1: I think that the president should just clean up this whole mess here. He should just flush it right down the fucking toilet. It's such a beautiful moment where he's saying, "You know, whoever is president, you should just clean this place up, flush it down the fucking toilet like a rain's gonna come mm-hmm. and clean it up." He's so mad, and Palantine does not respond to it. He goes, "You know, I've learned, learned more about America from riding in taxicabs than in all the limos in the country." <laughs> he just gives him this empty pablum.
0: Platitude. It's empty platitude yep. that
1: he says probably to every taxi driver he he encounters. 100%. But also, it is. It's such a like that moment. I, I realized that the the. Uh, that this came a couple years a few years after the wave of political assassinations in the United States which I which I should have mentioned earlier but that like mm-hmm. the uh this moment where I feel like that moment plays differently now when we have seen politicians in the Republican party party certainly I mean now they're directly encouraging violence it feels like but the, for, for yeah. so many years accepting that their voters are violent they're not mm-hmm. going to call attention to it they're not going to try to tell them to stop not since that one moment when John McCain told that woman at a rally no Barack Obama is not a bad man and he's not a muslim yeah. terrorist e- that was the last time in 2008 and ever since then it's just been like yeah our our th- we want their votes they're uh-huh. angry unstable people and we're just going to let them say what they say and not tell them not to and it feels like that moment yeah. it's like a when i was a more naive Viewer, when I was an adolescent, it's like, oh, Palantine's uh-huh. probably a good guy. He comes off as like a, su- you know, the person you see running for president, and then getting older right. and being like, oh, he's nothing. He's a to- everything he says is empty. <laughs> it's just empty. Yeah,
0: he's a, he's a fucking dick. yeah.
1: And in this scene, he is a, he is very much like, I'm seeing a problem. I don't want to deal with it, and I want him mm-hmm. to vote for me, so I'm just going to let it happen. And I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to do anything about it. And just how, uh, how it allows that kind of thing to fester in a society, and then, and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's what, and then eventually you get. Um, millions of people who who exist in a kind of different reality where they they have no incentive to leave and and join the rest of us. It's just like a, I don't know. There's so much watching this movie again. It was a lot of like. It, there's there's I always feel the the weird comfort when I watch old things and see modern problems mm-hmm. in them the weird comfort of being like oh this isn't a new thing this is yeah. this is this is something that's been around forever but also the the discomfort of being like oh we really should have known this was a, this was an issue <laughs> yeah. like, so this isn't we a new thing We had all
0: the clues, Mr. Police Officer. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, the snowman was 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 telling us what what to do.
0: What I was really what I was really dealing with when I was watching it this time was like feeling so much hatred f- for travis bickle well that's the thing i want to and- that's the thing
1: i want to hear from you also is like i imagine watching this movie as a woman is probably such a different experience than watching it as a man like i want i want to hear how this how this movie plays for a woman because for a man it is for me at least it was like oh all the worst all the worst instincts in me that i have to that as a yeah. as a human as a man who wants to live in a nice world and be nice to people mm-hmm. that i have to push back against and and kind of vomit out of myself away from other people as much as possible that Uh that I wonder if it to see to be watching the movie and be like oh I'm the object of that of those feelings like how does that feel as a woman I'm very curious yeah
0: it's 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 a perfect example to me like watching it I was like I was hating him so much throughout the movie, but then like, and 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 mad at Martin Scorsese for it, kind of being like, <laughs> "Wow, kind of fuck you, man," for this being like one of the class. Like, but then like, you know, it hits a point where he finds Iris, and you you watch your you feel yourself soften to him as he wants to save this child even as misguided as he is. And I was like, okay, wow, no, you actually pulled off a phenomenally balancing act here where I do feel like <laughs> I'm seeing the I'm seeing the cold truth of the reality of like you said, of Paul Schrader pouring himself and his loneliness into mm-hmm. this, of Martin Scorsese pouring himself and his angriness and his loneliness into this. And being like, this this depiction is accurate and that is why it is making me as furious yeah, as it that's is. That's why you're
1: that's why it's why it's getting that they're really forcing you to 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 confront this guy that you would rather not deal with or exist in the same world as but anyway you were saying I interrupted no no, no
0: you. not at all i and it, it 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 lives to me as a perfect example of why i don't feel compelled to engage a, a ton like in casual like film conversation with like 70s movies Uh Uh, obviously the the 70s the beginning of like the modern filmmaking era and auteurs and all these filmmakers yes yes but what i feel is a sort of what i feel sort of beat over the head with by the like the sort of test your metal of film love and knowledge about being asked and quizzed and interrogated about the film of the 70s is like look fuckers it was a bunch of dudes making movies that made me objects and there's a lot of great stuff happening in them. But yes, I will leave that mostly for other yeah. people to scrutinize and litigate and relitigate, and me be like, hey guys, just so you know watching this movie I feel like no matter this guy could have had the world collapsing around him like he's a he's carrying war trauma most likely he has filled with anxiety and dread and hatred about the world around him he's racist he's homophobic but at the end of the day the thing that pushed him over the edge was him setting up a bad date (laughs) and a woman having the presence of mind and the confidence in herself to to walk out mid date and not be like I'm gonna ride this out for the rest of the night and just leave this guy and read she's like I'm leaving in the middle of this you took me to porn that's weird before we got even into the theater I was like why are we at a porn theater this is a dirty movie and you're like no it's fine it's fine we get I watch these movies all the time it's like yo mom about you Travis and so
1: that's the and mo- that's always the moment in the movie where I'm like what are you doing Travis you know Travis! you know this is not something you should be Travis! doing Travis this is a bad idea
0: we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with a lot more Elliot Kalin movie talk so stay tuned Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and just like you, I survived high school. And we're not alone. On my podcast, The JV Club, I invite some of my friends to share the highs and lows of their teen years. Like moments with
1: Aisha Tyler. But when you're a kid, the stakes are just pretty low. Go to school, try not to get in trouble, get laid. Jamila Jamil. I watched television probably every
0: waking hour during that time and I was shit-faced on medicine. And Dave Holmes.
1: We talked and talked and then everybody left. It was just us two and I was like, I love you.
0: Learn how you too can be a functioning adult after the drama and heartbreak of high school. Every week on the JV Club with Janet Varney. Find it on Maximum Fun. Or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a judgment-free show. Hi, I'm Biz, host of One Bad Mother. Whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state. I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back.
1: And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars. So now he's reading our car manual we ha-
0: are it, I, it, ah. so join us each week as we judge less, laugh more and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download one bad mother on maximumfun.org and yes, there will be swears. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. You've got two talkative movie freaks on today's program. So let's get right back into our conversation with Elliot Kalin about Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Then at the end, look forward to a little bit of a different spin on the one quick thing before we go. So let's get back to it. The very ending of this movie is kind of what killed me watching it this time. Mm Because I was like, I'm on board with the journey of this movie. But this end where he just killed all these people and... She's just, like, finds his cab and gets in and is, like, having a moment of eye contact with him. I was, like, absolutely the fuck not. This woman might be, like, listen, I don't... Mo-, like, vigilantes need to clean up the streets. We can't trust law enforcement. There's a very appropriate, like, you know the cops don't do shit moment <laughs> in Taxi Driver that Travis says to Iris, the 12-and-a-half-year-old prostitute played mm-hmm. by an incredible Jodie Foster. She's so
1: good, and it's the scene with the two of them talking to the diner. It, it was wow. watching at this time, it's like, I forgot how late in the movie she really becomes a full character. Yes. And that scene in the diner yes. where... She is such a such a realized person.
0: It's unreal, Elliot. I was I I, I rewound the whole scene. I was like, I got to do this again. I can't. I can't believe what I've just watched. And I've seen this movie before. Are you a narc? Do I look like a
1: narc? Yeah. <laughs> I am a narc.
0: <laughs> God, I don't know who's weirder, you or me.
1: <laughs> it's an amazing scene and that she's and what really came through me this time is how much. She is like she is dealing with her own levels of kind of like wanting to buy into the delusion that Travis is yeah. putting before her and how much how desperate she is for real human connection and not just being used by sport. Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. that she is oh. that the minute someone shows an interest to her in her that is not. It, I mean, he is using her because he's using her as another object, another female object that he can save or or be the yeah. hero for. But who is not using her in the same way that she's used to being used, that she She's so quick to glom onto it, but she's such like a real kid. Where she,
0: there's that moment where she just does that little thing with her mouth where she just goes, ah! Yeah. I was like, oh my god, you're real. Iris is real. Jodie Foster who? Yeah. Like, this is a completely real character with tics and mannerisms and habits. Like, I, I was blown and she is, and away she, and it's, by and how it's, good she in is. In such
1: a short amount of screen time. But it's funny. I was reading uh, an interview with her that she did uh, – like it was for the 40th anniversary of the movie. So it was like six years ago. And she was saying mm-hmm. how they were like, were you nervous at all making this movie Robert De Niro? And she's like, well, at that point, I had made more movies than Robert De Niro. I had made more movies <laughs> than Marjorie. <laughs> she's like, I'd been acting since I was little. So I'd been in like 10 or 11 or 12 movies. And this was Marjorie's <laughs> fourth movie. And, she, and that she she talks about Robert De Niro, wow. like taking her out to diners just the two of them and really like mm. running her, like she was like we ran through the lines and then we did improv and i'd never really done improv before and that like mm. he did help her build a character i guess but the idea that like well was it was it uh like was it intimidating and it's like well at the time he was not yet a, like a huge star and i was i had been in movies since i was a kid like a baby like, I knew my way
0: around a set better than he did <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly
1: like... but you're right but you're right the movie is and this is something that is not a problem if everyone has their crack at making movies. The movie is very much for one type of person. And if everyone has their crack at making movies, but you're right, that whole generation in the 70s, aside from like Elaine May and like a few other like female filmmakers, you know, it's like, otherwise it's, just these dudes just these du- these these bros making these nerdy bros making movies and i feel like and
0: they and these nerdy bros are making really good movies and it's the fact that i don't have anything else in the yeah. landscape yeah. as far as demographics that produced something is where it becomes like that's where it becomes It fucking sucks because it's like I the movie becomes like in hindsight, the movie comes in part responsible for the one dimensional legacy of the composition of filmmakers at that time at a level that were like widely available and known to larger audiences. Yeah, even like the movie shouldn't have to have those things in consideration when it is coming to be because it needs to be true and the art needs to be honest but I can't dissociate it now from the lack of <laughs> from anything variety else. that yeah. it is around it to be like I know that when this movie ends Sybil Shepard's not going to go and have her own taxi driver no. like Sybil Shepard will go and have a wonderful career but it's watching it and being like wait well, you're going to really make her like get in the cab at the end of this movie and kind of give him his happy, his happy ending where like he was just a guy who did a job.
1: That's the one scene that i don't that has never worked for me because it feels like what they're trying to do at the end there it feels like is now that his his violence has been lionized by society and he should be put away for the rest of his life but instead he's back to normal and he's a ticking time bomb and like they established that with that pan of newspaper articles which are the best fake newspaper articles i think i've ever seen they look (laughs) like they were clipped out of newspapers like and then but I think I think the civil shepherd scene. Here's my overt and and uncovert intentions. I think for it. Okay. I think the filmmaker's overt intention was now that Trav, now Travis is a hero and society wrongly sees him as a hero. The covert intent, or maybe overt. Paul Schrader is a weird dude. I mean, he makes he, <laughs> he, a he, weird he has so dude. many he has so many great movies in his career, but he is like as he has also some terrible ones. But he is such a. I feel like there are very few other filmmakers who are as much like here's the worst part of my soul onto the film. Yeah, and uh, but the. The possibly covert, possibly not is this bitch. She wouldn't even look at me. She wouldn't even care yeah. about me. But now that I'm a big man, suddenly she wants to be me, mine. You know what? I'm just going to leave her be. I'm not going to give her the satisfaction, yes. which is disgusting, which is gross. That and, is what it feels and like. Moment, and it's the moment where the movie stops sympathi- It stops empathizing without sympathizing and just si- mm. starts sympathizing. Where up to that point, mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like the filmmakers are trying to say, like, I felt this way. If you're a man, you felt this way. Isn't it terrible? It's not good, but it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. to feel that way. And by the end, it's like, yeah, Travis, you did it. And it's like, oh, that's gross. I don't like that. It
0: feels like it almost came from a different director. Yes, yeah. Like, it, is so, it is so out of sight step with what feels like the balance the rest of the movie is walking to where you get to that last scene and it is just like backpats. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, when did this become a hero's journey? Yeah. Because now it's a hero's journey yeah, it's, and not an anti heros journey. No.
1: And the and it's I'm I'm usually not a fan of when people are like the rest this from this part on the movie is his dream while he's in a coma or some nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I yeah. hate that stuff. But it's like this is the one time where I'm like, you know what, if the if the filmmakers were like, oh no no, every, he dies in that he's dying in that shootout and his last moments are imagining himself as a hero and and he's imagining that betsy wants to be with him like i'd be like all right i'll give you that out i don't think that's the case and they've said they're like no the end of it is what happens for me at least you know as a as a as a man who has who felt this horrible loneliness and thankfully by the grace of god and the lack of the internet when i was young (laughs) like did not fall off of that tightrope into this abyss of like Sexualized political violence, you know, it, that's the moment where it like slips on the tightrope and it falls in. Mm-hmm. Up to that moment, I feel like it's walked that tightrope really well of like, we're going to show this, we're going to show it as honestly, emotionally as we can, but we're not asking yeah. you to like this guy. And at the end, they're like, yeah. they're like, they're not necessarily asking you to like Travis, but they are asking you to hate Betsy. And up to that moment, yeah, they're they have not asking you be, to be like,
0: her. isn't she a fucking bitch? Like, you feel like you're entering the point of view of a group of bros talking about chicks. Whereas the rest of the movie does not feel like a group of bros talking about chicks. It feels like it, it feels like a voyeuristic experience into watching men communicate like how they do in this state of like disgruntled men. There's
1: a little bit of that. And there's there's parts of the movie where it feels like, oh, this is what men would talk about with each other if they felt comfortable. They would talk about they instead of talking about like anyway, so this chick was in the back of my cab and I jumped back and banged yeah. her. They would talk about like. I, don't, I spend my day and I don't know who I am and I'm and I don't know why I'm here and I'm wandering around and mm-hmm. I, I just sit in my apartment all day uh, just watching TV and connecting to nobody and I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. with my life like I feel like but instead men but then the end becomes the conversation it becomes the conversation that they're having in that all night diner yeah where it's like yes yeah, so this chick got into my cab and she really wanted me you know like yeah. Ugh. but up to, it's a the shootout before that is so horrifying that it's almost oh God, it's yeah. almost like they're like nobody's gonna be paying complete attention after that anyway they're gonna be like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone's running for the vomit bags because i remember the first time i watched it there's there's a very bad special effect in the shootout but it's still with all, the hand with the hands but it's still the first time i saw it i la i like barked laughing but it was because of how shocked i was <laughs> at like seeing that happen right in front of the camera that like even though right. it looks very fake just the idea uh-huh. that This hand is blown apart in front of me, like because Travis he goes he decides he's going to save he can't kill that senator so he's going to save Iris the prostitute by
0: he can't he can't kill the senator he can't have sex with he can't have sex with Betsy so he's going to save a little girl
1: yeah and he's gonna and so he goes on this rampage where right in front of her he murders all the murders the John she's with her pimp and the guy who rents out rooms at the at the building and the uh, it was was, it's it's so funny there's like a I spent so much time in New York in the area where they shot the movie like just because that's Mm. i went to nyu and nyu is right over there and so like he drives a bunch of times past this this the variety playhouse which is like a Mm -hmm. there it's a it's a i can't i think it's a porno theater in the movie but i can't remember but by the time i was in new york it was a legitimate theater where they had plays and things like that but it still had the same sign variety and it's long it's closed since then but because i'm an old man and that was 20 (laughs) years ago but uh he, he goes on this rampage and it's horrifying there's nothing cathartic about it at least and uh, mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure there are creeps who watch and it iris And iris doesn't
0: like, like leap into his no, arms iris she is... begs him not to shoot a man's like brains out the back of his head in front of her yeah. she's crying she's wailing she's screaming she's, she's crying hiding. and
1: travis is tries to kill himself at the end of it and can't pull it off because his gun is out of bullets and like there's a everything about it is and it's shot like a it's it's not shot in a cool way. There's no, like, everyone no. is kind of stumbling around. Travis is not, like, this unholy Avenger who kind of can wade through bullets without getting hit. Like, he gets shot a bunch he of times. He keeps
0: getting shot at close range. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, his arm doesn't work at one point. Like, it's a... He spends a good part of one part of the movie building this thing to go on his wrist mm-hmm. where it'll it's it's a cast with a sliding rack that he took from a drawer and so that he can attach a gun to it so he can snap his arm mm-hmm. and a gun will slide into his hand and when he finally d- uses that thing like it's not cool at all like it looks like nope he's he's sitting on the ground in his own blood, and like then shoots a man through the face a bunch of times, and the bullets are just yeah. oh, it's that part is also horrifying where the bullets just kind of flip 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 into the guy's face, and he stumbles back. Yep. Like, there's nothing cool about the scene at all. it's so it's so horrifying. And I give the movie so much credit for that that mm-hmm. they were like, this is not cool. What he's doing is not cool. What he's we're not going to end. We've been kind of in his. And
0: he's not an assassin. He's just a fucking mess. Yeah, he's
1: a mess. He's a stumbling, crazy mess. And pardon my use of a crazy. They're like, we're with this guy. We're in his mind. We are not in his mind for this scene. We are going to watch mm-hmm, him from the mm-hmm. outside. But then we're back in his mind again when Betsy gets in his cab. Mm-hmm. Like like the studio was like, well, we need a happy ending to this movie. We can't just end with Travis miming, shooting himself with blood dripping from his hands. And then <laughs> yeah. like the, 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 the weirdos of. of uh, downtown Manhattan, like hanging around the apartment, trying to see what's happening, like. But mm-hmm. it's a. So I'm not. I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie. <laughs> but it's sure. But like, no, but
0: it's it's an it's important. It's important, and it like there is. I think there is there is such a there is such an incredible value in watching something like this now, and and being like. Face value for something like this is dangerous. Yes, and the yes. kind of thing where like you take the the takeaway from it is I'm going to be Travis Bickle for ha- for Halloween. And like, hey, Halloween costumes have a great time, but at the same, <laughs> it's a thing of like. <laughs> Watching The Purge and thinking like I should go buy a gun. Yes, like it. it, Like James DeMonica would be horrified. Like watching this and being like, you know, there's something to that Travis guy. Instead, instead of being like, you know, I read that Travis resonates with me. It's like that Travis had some good ideas. Oh, that
1: that Travis has that has. You know what? That's what I need to do. And and I think it's a. I think that was a big part of my growing up was part of me realizing, oh, Travis is not the hero of this movie. That like Mm -hmm. realizing like just because I just like you're saying just because I relate to this character. And yeah. the purpose of the movie is for me to relate to this character. Doesn't mean I am yes. supposed to like or um, admire or, you know, or, y- even, yeah. or even, or even, or sympathize in terms of like, oh, I want a good thing. I want this character to succeed, you know, that's, and so it was a, I realized I matured. It was literally last night. I was saying to my wife that I was recording this today and I was mentioning mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about Text Driver and I just watched it again and I still, you know, it's still, it hit me in the way that it did before, but like, I but it looked differently. And she was like, "You know what? I've never seen it." And I was like, mm, "You don't have to." Whereas, like, when I was a younger version of you, would have been like, "What? Okay, we got to watch it tomorrow." <laughs> yeah. But knowing that, like, <laughs> this is an unpleasant movie. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to get much out of it, except that feeling, like you're saying, of like, why are men so horrible? <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to teach her anything new.
0: It's incredible how many ways you can. You don't even have to look. When you're um, a woman or a non-gender normative person, like when you're a woman, to look at things and realize how many ways you can find to have it communicated that men hate you. Yes, yeah, yeah. At at like a at like a inside visceral core soul level. But that it's
1: so common and it's so taken for granted in the minds of men that you could have a a major um, becomes a major movie that is nominated for best picture that where the where Mm -hmm. the purpose of it is, hey, this is about how much men are, are. afraid of and hate women and how that that only comes out in violence and but how i don't know it's kind of like um yeah i don't know it's really horrible but i'm not gonna be able to solve it today i'll work on it but you know
0: no i i do i guess my my question to you specifically around that would be did you realize like when you were younger and you were experiencing this sense of like sort of out to Mm sea like watching travis and feeling like this this was a person who made sense to you did you his I didn't not
1: his not his conclusions but his motivations it made sense to me right, yeah yeah, his, his,
0: yeah his, this sort of like it seems like the emptiness is yeah. there the sort of maybe search for purpose and the loneliness and the
1: need for this un, this miss this uh inability to kind of differentiate for a lot of especially mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna generalize just based on my own beh- my own past especially men who grow up on a certain type of entertainment culture or a certain type of media mm. culture this difficulty with with separating romantic love from sexuality and uh validation from another person's either love or attraction to you or mm-hmm. and this idea this uh, difficulty separating that all that stuff also from the idea of conquest or you know victory in a way that like mm-hmm. this is a that, that, or a competition between men uh, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing that's a competition between you and the women of the world to prove your worth by by getting them to sleep with you and it's a competition between you and all men in the world to prove your worth to them with the with mm-hmm. the women that you've gotten to sleep with. like that there's all that that stew that i feel like is is uh goes back to the beginning of of human civilization or at least the beginning of whenever whenever that 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 mythical time when uh supposedly the men realized they were stronger physically and they overthrew the matriarchal uh, uh right. farming culture and and imposed their their horrible 10,000 year reign of of terror like uh, like this so anyway you're saying there's that all that stuff is so as as someone who was kind of feeling those types of things you know in yeah. this in this young so in that, that, in, you know that that's something that you way. do
0: you could identify like that you can identify in your sort of teen self at the yeah, time yeah. were you feeling that were you feeling elements of that maelstrom kind of just like loosed in your mind was that sort of part of what you felt adrift by was it that sort of like economy of sexuality and that sort of pressure
1: oh yeah it? very much so very a very, very big part of it and it's and the there's that idea of like incels now where it's like and and yes. and sexual economy where, that
0: word was absolutely in yes, my mind the whole while time yeah this.
1: he's because that's what he is and but it, like uh the idea that you are owed a certain amount of something from from the world and from women and if you don't mm-hmm. get it then either there's a big problem with you and or not even either it both there's a problem with society and there's a problem with you and it's mm-hmm. going to take some kind of action to solve that problem and the action that you should be taking is to is to civilize yourself so that you are mm-hmm. more the reason you'll be you'll be more attractive to women when you're like <laughs> a, when you're like a better person you know but the, <laughs> yeah. but the but uh and at least i say to myself well this is these are the things i had at least when i was a young man like as mm-hmm. a grown-up i don't feel this way. I feel like it is on me to show the world that I deserve things rather than on the world to just give it to me.
0: You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Then well, who the hell else are you talking to? You talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. I wouldn't want Taxi Driver to be different. And I, I wouldn't want the Chronicle of that truth of that kind of individual I would not want us to be spared that yeah. in its hideous reality because it is crucial that we see
1: But but it. like you were saying and, when that's uh, yes. when that's the only thing on on when that's the only thing on the menu it's not good yeah yes. yeah I think one of the things that really uh I think was looking back powerful about it was it was also like this was a movie that showed me that like a great movie can be unpleasant that like mm-hmm. it can be something that is not like a thrill ride or like fun mm-hmm. or that you and you, you leave it you feel worse than when you started and that also opened up a whole world of once it was like once I saw Taxi Driver it was like I was ready for like Ingmar Bergman movies where <laughs> yeah, I was gonna watch them and afterwards I'd feel bad and I'd be like so yeah so in a way by showing me an un, a very unpleasant movie very ugly movie that I directly related to it kind of opened this door for me to be able to watch unpleasant or sad or ugly movies about people who are not like me and being able to mm-hmm. like take that inf- that uh emotion my flop house co-host dan mccoy he always likes to quote roger ebert's thing that movies are empathy machines which i think is not true which is i, okay. I if roger ebert was here he's not because he's dead now but if he was here then <laughs> right. i would say like say that to Lenny Riefenstahl. What? but mm. i do think that there is but some movies can act that way and it feels like mm-hmm. taxi driver kind of open that door for me of saying like this movie is showing you things that you feel that you never saw presented this honestly before. There are movies out there mm-hmm. that I could present other people's feelings honestly and you're going to be able to appreciate those too. So I so I I owe it something for that. I mean a lot of the most of those movies were still made by men and it wouldn't be a long time until there was more sure. of those made by women. But I feel like there's a world, a world of movies that I think I would not have been that this was the gateway to that I'm very glad mm-hmm. that I can now exist in, you know, and that I can uh, i now have the tools to watch a movie that is that makes me feel bad but to be like <laughs> but to be like i'm glad i watched that like i got a lot out of that you know yeah
0: i'm grateful for you being handed the keys to cinema <laughs> at at this <laughs> young age at the young age in your life um and i'm grateful to you for coming on and talking about the the less noble aspects of of the way we see ourselves in movies and i i i i watch the show girls and i was like marnie this this wild out of her mind bitch who is just obsessed (laughs) with like i was like well here's my representation it's marnie so like that like listen I, that is it's a part of the it's a thing I want to do on the show more and more and more is talk about sort of you know, the ugly ways that we can see ourselves mm-hmm. and reckon with that and and mine through that. So, Elliot, I really, really appreciate you coming on and doing that with me. I'm very grateful for you taking the time. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I was really looking forward to doing this, and i and I enjoyed the talk so much, and I feel like I don't know, I don't know what your listeners will feel, but I feel like I got a lot out of it. And it's uh, I feel like I did. oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. and uh, and I hope there was and i hope i as much as possible fought the the instinct that still rears up in me like the loch ness monster's head peeking above the surface of the water and then hopefully diving back down when the tourists see it to like lecture or or test or any of those things it's a thing <laughs> it's a thing all 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 men have to fight against into, for constantly and it's such a <laughs> And this is, I, I feel I know this is like wham, wham, pampers, like a baby crying. But it's like, oh, uh, it's such a, it's such a burden to always have to deal with these terrible feelings that I have to, you know, that I that I have to tamp down. <laughs> it, it, there's there's sometimes something about seeing the worst, at least for me, seeing the worst part of myself presented fictionally Mm -hmm. that it's not as enjoyable but Mm -hmm. almost as powerful as seeing the best part because it's like then once you see it once it's been identified for for me at least i feel like i can Mm -hmm. be like oh now i have a name i can put to it and i know the thing not to do now now i think i know the thing to try not to be yeah
0: we all have the numbers on the dial. It's just how we fine tune ourselves throughout our lives. Pretending those aspects aren't there does not get us any twor- further toward our best selves. It just limits our ability to control and refine the attributes about ourselves that are sort of like the most productive and loving and altruistic, while letting the sort of vices creep through every now and again. Yeah.
1: Here's the really positive lesson I'm going to take from Tax Driver. Here you say that it makes me think. It makes me think of this. It, so, like I was saying earlier on, like, oh, I'm really Tom. I'm not Travis. I'm Tom. And Tom, yeah. is not the star of the movie. He's not the hero. <laughs> (laughs) the movie he's not the villain of the movie he's just a guy who happens to be in the movie he shows up in a bunch of scenes so like if that that's probably what i am in life i'm not the hero of the story i'm not the villain of the story i'm just a guy who shows up for a bunch of scenes and if i can keep that in (laughs) mind then i can i feel like i that i can really move towards the best part of me if i can make those few scenes like i'm gonna be as good as i can be in those few scenes and then not not worry about being the the great man of history like oh what a what a, what freedom? What, what a liberating feeling?
0: And that is I, that is to me the perfect way to go out on this. So thank you, Elliot, for your <laughs> well, time thank today. You so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you again so much to Elliot Kalin for coming on and sharing so much with us. Men, you can come on and be vulnerable on the Feeling Scene Pod. The Flop House comes out every Saturday and is another Maximum Fun production. Elliot and I had such a great time talking about movies that we kind of couldn't stop. And we talked for over an hour, and there was so much fun stuff that we, you know, doesn't doesn't make it to the show sometimes, but normally I go on my little one quick thing rant at the end uh, on my own. But you know what? This is a very special episode of one quick thing before we go because it's going to be... A little snippet from the conversation we just had consider this like your bonus features your bonus content of the Elliot Kalin conversation uh tacked on at the end here because we had a little bit too much to say about not taxi driver aka the movie Joker and we couldn't leave it on the cutting room floor so this week's one quick thing is Jordan Cruciola featuring Elliot Kalin tag teaming joker for you guys i remember watching joker and being like so it's taxi driver yes oh i mean it's exactly
1: taxi driver except not except not good (laughs) like it's
0: it's just fucking taxi driver and but like it is fascinating to and i think that's a a thing that that does get me about these movies too just like i deal with this frustration is like it feels like watching a fucking 15 year old boy's interpretation of what it's difficult about being a man in this world when it's like you guys you're like Your 30s or 40s now? Why is this still? Why is this still happening? Because like you're sitting here watching it, being like, "Yeah, that made total sense to me when I was a when I was an adolescent." And And now you're an adult man (laughs) being like. That's not the yes. way. But and yet it's like these things crystallize and they get brought forth and it's like, well now I'm a guy and I'm adult and I can make movies, so I'm gonna make my thirteen year old fantasy. It's like, but in the body of a grown ass yeah. man Well, it's
1: kind of like there's a there's a thing someone said once that like every band is trying to be the band they liked when they were thirteen. And it, I think it's kind of yeah. like that. And it's and at a certain point it becomes mm. With Joker, I felt like it was like it wasn't even just I'm expressing the things I felt as a teenager. It's I want to make the movie I liked when I was a teenager. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Taxi Driver. And like the and the most the most radical thing they could have done with that movie, and also the most relevant thing, is to not set it in the past, but to set it now. Yeah. And have that if mm-hmm. you're gonna make that movie, have that and do that character, have that character be living in this world, because it's not a past problem. You can't blame it on how New mm. York or Gotham or whatever was falling apart in the seventies. Also, that that movie was such a Ugh, that movie was such a tease because by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of crimes this Joker character is going to come up with. Credits. Movie's over. Like, it was it was like, I don't really care about him before he's the Joker. But anyway, but that's it. That's it. No, I don't. But, but you're right. It's just it And I think in that case, it is, was it Todd Phillips? It's Todd Phillips. I think yeah. partly it's him being like, see, I can do serious stuff. But it's also like yeah. uh, him, wa- like, I love this movie. I want to make this movie. And that's kind of the difference, I feel like, between the 70s studio guys and these studio guys is mm-hmm. Paul Schrader and, and Martin Scorsese will, will watch like the searchers and the wrong man. And they'll be like, mm-hmm. what's the emotional core of that? Okay. I'm going to do that yeah. for now. Whereas, yeah. whereas now it's like, I'm going to watch this movie from the seventies. This is cool. I'm going to make a movie set in the seventies. That's just like this, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, there was a, uh, yes. I, it's just like, a instead of, instead of ingesting it and processing it and then, you know, pooping it out as their own thing it's just like yeah let me do it it becomes like cover stuff basically you know and that's and that's why we were before the recording we were we were we were razzing Zack Snyder a little bit but uh but I'll say this about Zack Snyder is that uh some of his movies he's just wearing his influences right there on his sleeve but every now and then he'll make a movie where I'm like oh you did ingest your influences and then process them (laughs) and then poop them out in a new way I don't like it but it is a. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's not for me. It's not something I I, I enjoy. But it's but it's yeah. certainly your thing that you made. You made it yours. Yeah, you made it yours. You
0: made it unmistakably yours.
1: Oh man, that 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 Joker movie. There was so uh, there, that was a movie where. So what sums up that movie to me is the experience I had where. There was that tweet that was going around where someone was like one of the greatest moments in cinema the birth of the joker and it was him dancing on the stairs and not I dancing, and I refused to and dancing. I refused to click on it I didn't so I couldn't hear the volume so it was always this clip that would come up on Twitter and I wouldn't hear what the song was but I assumed it was mm-hmm. something momentous or operatic and then i finally watched yeah. the movie because i had to watch it for the flop house and to see that the music was hey that's exactly what it was. i was like what this is fucking movie <laughs> like this is like this is it was that oh that they that they chose the dumbest brogiest song and i don't think it's meant as a joke or as like a, a I comment i think it's meant as like this is a cool moment he's finally doing it like it was that 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 music I was like, my head was in a different place than this movie was, certainly, you know.
0: I feel like a perfect example of, like, the maturation of this conceit of, like, the Travis Bickle kind of character Mm -hmm. and, like, shows me the world of possibility that exists now where standing on the shoulders of giants, like, people besides guys who look like Martin Scorsese and can make movies – I like the Joker better when it was made the first time with the exact same like structuring almost when it was Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here.
1: Oh, see, I still haven't Did seen You are Never Really. I've still got to watch.
0: Literally a like a like New York City shut in mm-hmm. who lives in a hovel apartment with his mom, who is a social outcast from the world around him, who goes on a journey to like save a little girl. So it's even like taxi driver. Mm-hmm. But like. I accept the Oscar win for Joaquin Phoenix for Joker because I consider it a win for You Were Never Really Here, which just didn't make a billion dollars. And I watched that and I'm like, see, this is why, like, this is why, like, I I can watch Taxi Driver and, like, get angry about it and embrace it and then watch a movie decades later where we have a woman making a movie with Joaquin Phoenix who takes the same character and, like, manages to me to express the same... Experience of like isolation and detachment and dissociation, but imbues it with so much more of like a not oh, not schlocky, not overt, but like sort of tenderness and absence of misogyny. Yeah, without the hate, without the hate for women that's baked into it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like it hates women. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh my god, like I, I did I get my taxi driver in like 2018? It's possible in a Joaquin Phoenix movie. It's like it. It can it can, it can, can work on all these levels. And so like watching, if I if I only had Taxi Driver, I would probably hate Taxi Driver, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, this fucking guy, I can see him on the street. I can see him on the news. But knowing that I can have a You Were Never Really Here makes me be like, but when both can exist as like a yin and a yang to one another, then my universe can be imbalanced.
1: I think that's fair. That's fair. Both. Hearing you say that makes, I'm probably going to queue it up next. That'll be the next movie that I watch. I really
0: hope you like it. And that's our show! A spicy little mix-up on the normal formula. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at feelingcene at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm JorCrew on Twitter. That's J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. And our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun.